Good morning, everyone. Okay, Pastor Melvin has his Love God 2.6, I think, uh, series. It's up to six now. I'm also up to my sermon number six in the Ways to Love God series. So what we've been doing so far is we've been working through Ephesians 4 in a snail pace, crawling one verse at a time, sometimes two, just trying to help us understand more about this part uh, of the Bible, what Paul, Apostle Paul wrote to the church, the instructions, his instructions to them on how to live as a Christian, both in their church, in the community, as well as in their public place. So many of the early church, uh, the, the, the people here, many of the people in the early church are first generation Christians when Paul was writing this letter. They struggle. They have never been a Christian before. They don't have any concept of what is a believer. So uh, apart from the Jewish time, so many of them are converts. They, they want to live their new life and this is the instruction for them. Now why do you think this is so important? Why do you think Paul uh, spends so much time writing? You see, to Paul, Christianity is not just a religion. It is not just a good to have. It is not just something that you believe in to help you get by the time. Paul believed that life in Christ is life itself. How you live this life, your life, shows you, shows everyone who's in charge of your life. If it's not God, it's probably something else. And we've learned that God is a jealous God. God is jealous about your love and your allegiance. You are his exclusive creation. His pride. He deserves nothing but your exclusive love. Amen? So how you live your life shows if God's word is in you. God's word has any influence over you at all. So Paul really wrote extensively under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about instructions to observe as a believer. So over the past sermons, I've covered on Christian attitudes. How we ought to live as Christians simply uh, when we love God with all our hearts, obeying God's word, we not only know God's word more, know Him intimately, we ought to grow in our Christian conduct as well. How we interact with one another is about the public faith that we have. We have to show good works and that bears our testimony as a Christian. So those who really love God in your hearts, you would know that love is often... Uh, challenging, it doesn't come necess- naturally, it requires discipline, humble obedience. Real love, real love is often shown through sacrificial acts where you have to give up your own desires. You put off your old self. It is when you really remember who you are in Christ. In reverence and fear, you yield to that conviction of love within your heart. Especially when it comes to interaction with people around and they offend you and you yield to it and say I will love you the love of Jesus that's where you become a Christian that's where Christianity really shines so how you live your life in public your character socially especially when it comes to honesty putting off your falsehood and deceit 
How you handle people when they offend you, angry yet not sinning. Your attitude towards work, people, in public places, how you practice social holiness. I've covered all of these. They all matter. They really, really matter. And that's, uh, that's, that's the past three sermons. And at the crossroads of all these issues, the common thing that joins them together, the one mode that's common to all, is this topic now. Words of speech. It's the words that you speak with your mouth. Now we're going to talk about it, okay? Yes, words that come out from your very mouth. Words that you use to communicate to one another in writing emails. This is one area that is very hard to deal with and it's a very challenging topic. So I plead for your grace and mercy today. So as we hear God's word, may the Lord be with you. Let me read for all of us here scripture. This is taken from Ephesians 4, 29 to 32. It says here, these are instructions for Christian living. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. These are the words of God. Will you join me in prayer? Father Almighty, teach us to know your ways. Teach us to obey your call. Teach us to hear your words as we study your holy word. Humble your servant today, and as I speak, may the words of my mouth be clear, and the meditations of all our hearts here be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, words are powerful. Words have the ability to uh, affect people. Choice of words you use can affect people. Do you agree? Now let me, you can respond, you know. <laughs> quiet, suddenly. Okay? It's not a rhetorical question. You can respond if you think. So let me show you a video. A video, if you could just get ready. Let me show you a video just to illustrate this.
I wrote the saying, but in different words. Thanks, Laura. Because the words are powerful. They have a way of affecting us. Scripture is very clear how God's people, how us believers in Christ are to use words. Now I'm going to follow this outline for our sermon today on mind your language. I'm going to cover two questions. We, mean, we won't have time to do the third one. I'll leave it to the concluding sermon uh, on the entire wrap-up of this sermon series. So we're going to deal with two questions today here. What language, can, what language to mind? What cannot say? What we can't say? And why must I mind my language? Why must I mind my language? The third one uh, on how to love God. Where do we start? How, what do I do? Um, we'll, I'll cover it next time. So let's start with this. First one. What language to mind? And what cannot say? Now scripture starts immediately here. It goes in straight into verse, uh, 20, in verse 29 that we have read with the instruction on what not to do. It says in verse 29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out from your mouth. Some versions don't use the word unwholesome. Uh, they use the word let no corrupt, let no unsound. Others use no rotten words or harmful words or useless words or empty words. Essentially, words that uh, uh, that doesn't help. And I'll pause just there. In case you wonder if the Bible actually defines what is unwholesome, it does. Two verses down, we just read it. Immediately in verse 31, it says this. It lists these categories. Of unwholesome, and these are the things we need to get rid from our speech. I'll cover uh, these. Uh, I covered some of these before in a previous sermon on anger, so I won't go through the technicalities of it. But I will describe to you what it means, what kind of category of talks are there. So let's go through. The first category is bitterness. Bitterness. Bitterness talk. This is to be, we have to get rid. What is bitterness? What is bitterness? Bitterness, according to um, anti-scholar Andrew Lincoln, this is how he defines it. It is the hard-heartedness that harbors resentment about the past. The Greek word used is pikriya, uh, which is really the, the uh, actually I don't, Think you all know Greek, so it doesn't really matter if I explain. But anyway, the English word is the resentment is the key. Or if you have really, this is the kind that if you harden your heart uh, towards an issue of the past, you have deep resentment towards someone or an organization. This is the bitter talk 
that you come out. So you can tell a person has bitterness when he or she keeps raking up the past. Same issue, same thing to different people. Go to this person, talk about this hurt. Same hurt. Go to another person, somehow the conversation will drift back to the same person or the same organization or disappointment. So it doesn't matter, it will surface again and again. This is what Paul is describing here. As a Christian, get rid of this kind of talk. This kind of talk don't belong to the new life. Why? I'll share later. We'll go through the list of what kind of talk we need to get rid of first. Okay? Then I'll come to the wise later. But this is the first kind here, the bitterness kind of talk. The same old, always talk about it. No, uh, the bitterness talk. Get rid of it. Doesn't belong to believers. Second category, the second type of talk that is singled out by Paul that is unwholesome, unwholesome or empty, is rage, demos, or anger. Or yeah. So these are the two kinds, the, the, the rage and anger or the wrath. Now, this kind of talk is the intensely hostile, explosively furious kind of talk. The definition of this kind of talk is the lack of control, you know, lack of restraint. And it goes on and just slams it. There is so much rage within the person. It usually ends up with the authorities knocking on the door or people shouting at you, keep quiet, will you keep it down? When neighbors complain, this is the kind of talk that destroys everything. Like, hawk. Destroys everything. Not just the conversation, not just the communication. It destroys the peace, it destroys the relationship, it destroys the person, it destroys the neighborhood, it destroys the family. Everything along its way, it just destroy. Christians, get rid of this kind of talk. That's what Paul says. This kind of talk do not belong to the believer. Get rid of it. Third kind of talk is there. It is the brawling and slender. Brawling and slender. That single out brawling. And slender, interestingly, the Greek word used for slender is um, blasphemia, which we get the English word blasphemy. This is the kind of talk that hurl insults, hurl accusations. It just is specifically used to defame, to hurt, to put down. This kind of talk targets the person. It is personal and not just that, it seeks to destroy the identity of the person. What does this talk sound like? i give an example. Huh? Okay. Forgive me. I'm not targeting any one of you. This is how it sounds like. A beep, man, you, you, you're such a beep, you know. You, you beep and beep and beep. You must be born of a pit, son of a pit, and pit, 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 pit. You figure what's a pit, like, and then you reply. You say I pit, you then pit, and I pit you with the pit, 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 uh, you know, and you continue this way. 
You hear this every day? <laughs> this is the third kind of talk not to be part of a Christian. Very insulting. Targets the person. Okay. <sighs> Forgive me. <laughs> so, just in case you think, okay, these three categories uh, is when I talk to people. Uh, okay? So, I got somebody to talk to. I talk to myself. Oh. Okay? I talk to myself, but I talk loud. Uh. I beep, 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 beep. I'm not talking about you, but I beep, 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 beep. I'm not talking about you. Cannot. Cannot. Okay? Never offend you. Uh. I'm not talking about you. Uh. If you think that you are the beep, then you are okay. La. okay? Cannot. Sorry. Uh. Fourth kind is the catch-all rule. Too bad. Okay? Paul says, this kind of talk, the fourth kind of talk, it says here, get rid of all form of malice. Kakia. Talk that is hateful. Well, hateful and wicked words used for the purpose of evil and to pervert virtue and morality. This is how it defines it. What does this kind of talk uh, sound like or uh, examples of this kind of talk? This, is, this, this, this includes swearing, cursing, obscenity, vulgarities, abusive and derogatory languages, including gossip. Because you are spreading malicious content. The focus of this kind of words is on the destructive power and the harm they produce in the community itself. Even if you are saying this to yourself, and people hear about it, it will affect the community. This is the type of explosive personal comment that is often seen in blogging, Facebook, Instagram, where it's a fire and forget. I talk to myself, ah. Or I block, uh, just that you know, everybody reads about it, kind. And you leave it there, and you just see how it churns and stirs. The social media platforms, what you leave and how you interact. The kind that I beep, nobody, I don't talk to you, ma, right? Uh, malice. This is the kind of talk with the intention to harm. Christians are not to be part of this. Not just in speech, in writing, how you communicate. So there you have it. Grace and mercy, yeah? Grace and mercy. <laughs> Scripture, instruction to us as believers in Christ, we are to get rid of these four categories of talk from our speech. And when I say speech, it's not just what you say, but all forms of interaction with people typing, social media as well. So what's wrong? What's wrong with all these? Mouth is mine. I cannot say whatever I want me. It's like, you, know, you, you get this kind of talk uh, with youth or young adults or even this generation nowadays where there is a lot of uh, autonomous uh, autonomy. They, they think that just they own their mouth, they own their rights. And it comes out like that. Mouth is mine. Body is mine. 
I cannot do whatever I want with it? Are you telling me that? This is the question I'm going to address next. That's why it's so important. Why must Christians mind their language? Why must Christians mind their language? It's not switching. I'll let the AV team. Next, next slide. Why must Christians mind the language here? Yeah. Why oh, so serious? Okay. This is one of the easiest questions to ask, but very hard to answer. Fortunately, Scripture is not silent on this. And let me show you. First reason. Let me tell you. First reason. We've known about this. Words are powerful and have a huge impact on people. In the course of my ministry, serving um, in schools, ministries, chaplaincy work, children's ministry, one of the things I like to do is not just to talk on to children, but it's just to listen to children, to speak to them, engage them. And if you are here, spend some time, I mean, if you, are, if you have children at home, spend some time paying attention, pay attention to what they, hear, what they say. You'll learn a lot. One of the things I hear a lot in children is how they are hurtful words um, just seem to come up without restraint. Sometimes if you don't see me in service, I go to children's ministry, I just talk to them, or uh, even in school's ministry. And if I hear something like that, I will turn to them and say, hey, that's not such nice things to say. Uh, and depending on the cheekiness of the kid, uh, whether I have a relationship with the person or not, uh, they sometimes will just, they will just talk back to me and say, why cannot? My parents say all the time. That's okay. I'll try to not imagine who are the parents. <laughs> but let me show you another clip. This video clip is very well done. It is, um, it is done by the state of Michigan, the general attorney's office, on why we need to mind our language. Let me show this to you. How can you see through your eyes? They're so squinted. You aren't worth it. You will never amount to anything. You make my eyes bleed. Lose some weight, you piece of trash? Your poofy hair covers your ugly face. You make my life horrible because you're so desperate and ugly. You're just an accident waiting to happen. Just leave. You're such a waste of space. Kill yourself. I have never met a person as fake as you. Please just leave this world. Your ugliness consumes the world. You're too tall to be cool. Do us all a favor and drink a gallon of bleach. I wouldn't care if you were to die tomorrow. You and your weird personality can jump off a cliff and no one will care. I love your personality and your gold. I love your face. You are perfect just the way you are. Has anyone ever told you how beautiful you are? 
You make my life complete. You made my day better because you're such a great friend. You are perfect. You're such a beautiful person. You can't even get more beautiful. You're so awesome. Your smile brightens up the room when you walk in. You are amazing just the way you are. You are loved. Verse 29 says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Because words are powerful. They have a huge impact on people. Please, mind your language. That's the first reason. The next two reasons are found in the next verse. And let me read this before I expound on them. It says in verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for that day of redemption. There are two parts in there. Let me deal with the second part first. The part on redemption. All of us here are sealed for the day of redemption. What does it mean? Now you see, I'll give you the second reason first. Why Christians must mind language? Because we are God's children. And we live with a different paradigm. Totally. You see, when you become a believer in Jesus, it's not just a belief. It's the whole hog, you know, that you affirm. Last week and every other month, uh, every month we celebrate Holy Communion. We have to affirm our faith in a creed that we profess. God the Father created the world. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come and He died for our sins. Christ is risen. He's alive and seated on the right hand of the Father. Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead. The Holy Spirit is the divine presence in our lives as our helper until Christ returns. You know this, right? Do you know that only believers profess this? Not just with our mouth, they live in this world knowing that there is a day of redemption coming. No other people profess this. Only Christians. And you speak these words every month to remind yourself you live in a different paradigm. You live knowing there's a day of redemption coming. And Paul says all believers, all of us here who believe in Jesus, we are sealed for that day of redemption. Because of our faith, Jesus says this. This is what Christ says in John fifteen nineteen. He says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. When you believe in Jesus, Christ came, he picked you out. You are chosen out. Remember, we are God's children. 
you live in a totally different paradigm. And in a more sobering reminder, the statement, this statement would have pointed straight to the words of Christ in Matthew 12. And let me read these words of Jesus for you as well. And it says this in verses 34 to 36, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, or out of the mouth speaks fullness of the heart. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word, useless word, that they have spoken, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Which brings us to our third reason why we have to mind our language. Is that everyone, we will be judged by every word we say. Is there in scripture. If this is there not to scare you, but I hope you are scared by this, no? Or somehow, I hope it does. See, Jesus said in the context, said those words, in the context of Pharisees repeatedly, uh, repeatedly accusing and slandering Jesus of being a false prophet. And when Jesus was actually building up his people by affirming, your sins are forgiven you, I speak healing, go and be healed, your faith has healed you, casting out demons, delivering people from enslavement, the Pharisees, he's building up his church and his people. The Pharisees, instead of affirming the works of God, they are saying, he cast out demons because he's the chief demon himself. We need to think about how we use our words. We need to be really careful about how we speak. Are we responsible enough to give God credit when he grants a miracle in your life? Or are we very quick to blame Him when things don't go our way, like the Pharisees? Words are powerful. They speak and represent the intentions of our heart. They reveal who we are inside. We live in a different paradigm. We believe in a day of judgment and redemption. And we know everyone will be held accountable for every word we speak. Mind your language. So these are the three reasons so far. Now let me get back to Ephesians. Let me read this verse again. It says there, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, for whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We dealt with the second part. I give you two reasons. Second part. Let me do the first part now. Um, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. See, Paul is reminding his audience who they are, what it is to come, and we just covered that. There is also an instruction here, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, I did some reading up about this. Uh, I find it very, very strange that Paul will write this. I'm a bit confused sometimes. I ask myself, hey God, uh, your happiness is dependent on whether I use good words or bad words. Uh. Is it? Does it mean if I say bad words, God is sad? If I say good things, God is happy? Sometimes we teach our children this, right? You don't say that, God will be upset with you. You don't say this, but you say this, God will be happy. 
we teach our children that or we say that, right? Let me say this. Uh, don't teach your children this. Uh. This is bad theology. It's totally bad theology. That's using God's name in vain. Uh. Okay? <laughs> you use God uh, to manipulate your children. Cannot. Okay? That's bad. That's bad. It's just a reflection of really bad theology. Here's the reflection or uh, here's the key reflection about this, which is the next reason. See, God's word represents his character. God's children represent God through their words and actions. You get it? Because God's word, his word, his holy word represents his character. What he says represents who he is. We are God's children. We represent God through our words and actions. God uses words, the holy word. You read it, it represents his character, his intent, his works. As a Christian, we believe God spoke the universe into existence in Genesis. All of God's works, all that he done, all that he uh, is going to do, it represents his intention, his authority. They are very consistent. They are all recorded consistently and clearly in Scripture. This is also consistent on how Jesus presented God's authority when he was with us 2,000 years ago. If you go back and read the account of how Jesus performed miracles, you would find a consistent pattern. Jesus didn't just wave his hand. Then uh, people become healed, you know. He didn't go to Bartimaeus and like that, uh, then heal. What he did? He spoke to blind Bartimaeus, Go! Your faith has healed you. But the names receive his sight. He rebuked the waves and the wind. Storms became calm. He said, Lazarus, come forth. This Lazarus, who has been dead for four days and buried in a tomb, came back to life. If you are there, you see this mummified thing coming out. How do you feel? And Jesus says, no, yeah, that's my authority. Scripture affirmed in 1 John that Christ is the Word of God incarnate. This is what he said. This is what in 1 John uh, 1 he says. This is what Scripture says about us. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in light, in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. This is very clear. God's Word represents His character. We are His children created in His image. We represent God to people all around through our words and actions. Mind your language. People form the perspective of God from what you say and do. And finally, let me answer the question I've raised just now. What does Paul's instruction mean when he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit? Does it mean if you say bad words, God is bad, God is sad? If you say nice things, God is good? Uh, I mean, God is happy? Unfortunately, no. What Paul is trying to say here, I'll bring you to the final point using this. This is the fifth point. God is grieved when his own children go against his work of redemption. 
God is grieved when his own children go against his work of redemption. You see, Christ came to us as God's word and authority. He came to redeem his people from eternal hell. That's his ministry. He spent his entire three years of ministry when he started building up the church, his people, redeeming them from slavery to sin and bondage, reversing the effects of sin and healing them even. And after he, 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 and after he ascended, he sent his Holy Spirit as divine helper given to the body of Christ to build his church up, to sanctify the church and to prepare the church so that when the day of redemption comes, the church is ready. But when we, God's children, continue to remain in our old ways, like what Christ um, said and also in our passage for today, it is not that God is sad because we say nasty stuff, but we grieve the Holy Spirit because we go against His will of redeeming the church. Instead of building up the body of Christ, instead of building societies up, instead of building one another up, your church, your family, and they become that salt and light in our home or workplaces or where we are in our marketplace, we tear down, we speak words of destruction. Instead of redeeming, we go against the very purpose of why God placed us there as salt and light. When your own children, I think this comes out from the family, when your own children within the family are the ones that speak against another family member, it doesn't just hurt, you know. It grieves the parent. With family members like that, you don't need any enemies, you know. That's the context of what Paul is saying here. And I hope you get the extent of it. When our words, uh, our words and action, what it means to people around, what it means to God, for us as a church family, and society. So let me just do a quick recap and what I've covered and I'll close. I hope you understand today, by now, words are powerful and how they can affect people. Because we are God's children, we no longer live in our old ways. We live in a very different paradigm. The one that promised us a future and a hope of eternal redemption through Jesus Christ. On that day, God will take care of business. Everyone or anyone who has said something against you, you don't have to seek vengeance. The Lord is your vengeance. He says, vengeance in mind, I will repay, says the Lord. He will take care of business. He will judge every living and the dead according to their works, their deeds, what they do, and every account need to be given for every word they say. God's children represent God through their words and actions. See, God's will is to redeem His people, build His church up for that glorious day of redemption. So when words are used carelessly, it causes destruction, breakdown, when words of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice are used, we go against His redeeming work. Of course, it's grieving. So maybe for now, as I close in prayer, I want to ask you to spend some time coming before God and to be really honest. This is not a... I know that this is a hard message sometimes for us to hear. Uh, 
is presented in God's word. But I think that God's word ought to influence us. It's his word. It's authoritative word. We have to respond. And if we've sinned each other, sin against one another, and before God, through our words and speech, and have spoken carelessly, let us repent. My prayer is that today, after you have heard God's word, beyond that, you will grow in Christian character and you show good works by being holy in speech. I'll just give some time when I'm open up just to pray, a moment of quietness and just to have time for you to repent if you have any issues to come before God. And then I'll close with a time of corporate prayer. So just spend a few moments just bringing to God and just repent before Him. Come, let us pray. Let us pray. Lord, when we open our mouth, so many times we let them gush forth with curses or words said in anger, sometimes uncontrolled anger. But when you speak, O oh Lord, we hear your words of grace and mercy upon our lives. Lord, your will is that we never give false testimony against anyone. You will for us not to twist anyone's words in gossip or participate in slander. Not to condemn anyone using destructive words. Lord, forgive us when we did not mind our language and we have allowed ourselves to follow the ways of the world. Instead, Lord, teach us to have your love in our hearts so that, Lord, it comes out in thought, in deeds, and in speech. Lord, help us recognize with all our hearts you grieve when you grieve and grant us that discernment to hate sin and to take pleasure to do and say what is right and to bring you glory. Lord, may your love always be first in our hearts and we become that witness for you to one and all in a world to serve you faithfully until that day of redemption. We pray all these in the name of our Saviour, Messiah, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.